0: This is The Switch, finding solutions to support sustainable living and combat climate change at the individual level. Brought to you by the Furbearers. I'm Mike Howie, and I'm with Dr. Teal Phelps-Bondaroff of the Greater Victoria Placemaking Network talking about the Pocket Places Project and Little Free Libraries. So let's start out with what placemaking is and how that's going to play a role in all of this.
1: Placemaking, um, I always describe placemaking as softening the hard edges of the urban landscape. So examples of placemaking might be installing a Little Free Library box. It may be a street piano, fairy doors that people stick on trees, chalk drawings. Here in Victoria, we had um, a, a wish tree where people would just put pleasant messages in little paper and hang it on a tree. Sure. Uh, we have pole painting. And so the idea is you're, you're ultimately creating spaces in, the pu- in public where people can meet and interact. Um, and, and one of the things I've always described like, placemaking as doing is creating space for people to meet and talk. In, in our urban landscape, there aren't a lot of places where people will just casually bump into each other and talk to strangers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just doesn't happen unless you're in, like, the line for the supermarket. But if you design public spaces differently you can actually foster connectivity and that ultimately builds community and and little free libraries are the quintessential example of that i describe them as coral wreaths for community because yeah and every time i go out and meet at a little library i meet people the other day i was out jogging and um, i bumped into a woman at a little library she was topping up books as was i and we talked for like 30 minutes and the only thing the reason, reason we stopped was the bugs and it turns out she went to the same art college as my mother and she gave a <laughs> Button and i gave her a book and i have a new friend mm-hmm. that's not a kind of interaction you normally have in the typical sort of bleak urban landscape oh not at all line the space differently you can actually create connections like that and
0: i've got one uh, at the end of my street it's actually on a property that is a long-term care home uh for adults with disabilities and it gets used for all kinds of things. So it's, of course, a place where people, to, and I've dropped books there uh, and picked up the occasional book, and there's always people there. But that's not the only thing. These, it's not just a, a depository for unwanted books. It, it becomes uh, a, a, almost a, a little trading
1: post in the community, I found. Well, this is the amazing thing. So just to, for a bit of background for folks at home, Little Free Libraries are little book boxes that are usually on public space, that can be on private space as well and they operate on the give a book, take a book principle. Mm-hmm. And um, here in Victoria, we have over 500 little free libraries. We cut the ribbon on number 500 last Sunday. And these little libraries, they, um, they are, have all sorts of different kinds of designs. So I've been helping build them and they are old newspaper boxes that have been upcycled. Yeah. Uh, but some people will take a canoe Um, in Esquimalt where we have a military base someone has nailed a barracks box to a tree there's (laughs) there's ones that are shaped like little uh, british phone booths. there's ones that um, are covered in cartoon characters So there's a lot of creativity but there's another level of creativity as you were just mentioning which is people will iterate on the principle of little free libraries and you'll find them dedicated to sometimes specific books and sometimes other things so here in victoria for example we have little free libraries for poetry children's books There are puzzle exchanges. We have four puzzle exchanges um, and board games. I found some great board games in one the other day. Um, And then we also have little free libraries for things other than books. So there's for toys. There's a little free library for plants. There's three little plant stands here in town. Mm -hmm. I'm just currently helping a friend to set up a little free seed library, which is a great way of swapping seeds in communities. Um, And then on top of that though, you have little boxes for household items and, there's ones there during the pandemic people were dropping off masks at the libraries handmade yep. masks there's naloxone i've seen at little libraries uh, we have little free art galleries here in victoria where people will actually have art supplies or their paintings up and That's awesome. a little glass window uh, and you've also seen some other really innovative ones um in vancouver there's a little free library for menstrual products which is a great Amazing. way of doing period poverty yeah and, and so one of the things that really excites me about these is people take a simple idea of a box full of books in public and then they just iterate and come up with amazing ideas
0: we see them used frequently for basic kitchen supplies for food uh people like oh i bought three of these and i only needed two i'll take this pasta jar and put it in the box and within an hour it's gone to someone who can use it uh speaking though a little bit the environmental impact of these and how they they help with environmental issues and you in your list of ways they're being used i picked out a few that i can think of but what are the ones that jump out at you as sort of positive impacts to the community in terms of carbon footprint uh, or, or uh, climate change
1: fighting the first one is community in and of itself we have a lot of problems in the world and there's a lot of complicated solutions that we need to be working on but the first step or a critical step in that process is community we can't do th- these things alone so little free libraries ultimately help create the connectivity we need to help transform our world uh, and not only that but they can actually serve to spread information So in addition to, um, I regularly go out with a bike trailer and top up little libraries. We're about to hit our 40,000th book in the last four years. I'm very proud of it. But in addition to dropping off books, I drop off all sorts of other things. So I've done uh, stamp collecting starter packs for the local philately Society. Um, I'm recently, we had bingo cards, so people can go find bingo cards, at libraries, and then they can go around and and have a a game to play. Mm -hmm. But we've also been giving out more meaningful information. We did a fundraiser. uh, This is the greater Victoria placemaking network rather did a fundraiser last month where we raised $6,000 to purchase 900 copies of the truth and reconciliation calls to action. Oh, that's That's brilliant booklet. Yeah. And we'll be going out, dropping those off two copies to every library in the city, um, next month when they arrive. And so it's a way of spreading really important information that the community needs. Um, so they aren't just sort of a passive way of getting books, but that's, that's another way that they help the environment, which is, um, through, you know, you know, recycling and reusing, you know, we talk about the three R's right. Recycling is actually very energy intensive. If you don't throw something out, but you reuse it or you share it, that is a way better use of a product. Um, yeah. and we've given like a second, third, fifth, 10th life to many books. We have a, a local bookseller who will donate all the books that they can't quite sell because they're not quite good enough to sell, yep. but they're also like not bad enough to just recycle. And they give us thousands of books a month, and then we help put those out in little libraries. And those would be books that would otherwise be going in the landfill or being pulped. Um, and so that's one way. Um, but then you also see these other innovative ways. You know, for example, like little free plant stands help encourage people to be doing gardening, to be yep. growing their own food. Uh, to build up you know food security and resilience so it's kind of one of those aspects and i think really the ultimate aspect of little libraries that makes them uh, a vehicle for public and community change is building community uh, there's also something quite radical about this idea of, of just sort of not non-ownership right this is a yeah. free library and it's it's always fun every so often you'll get an email from someone that says oh someone stole some books out of my little library no, they didn't. How? How is that possible? These are free books, you know, and I appreciate if someone comes and takes more books than you think they should have taken. But if that person needed 12 copies of Louis L'Amour, you know what? That's fine. <laughs> well, you know, if You need to restock your Daniel Steele collection with every book in that one library in the corner. Yeah. That's, you know what, that's a public service. Uh, <laughs> so I find that there's something sort of deeply radical about little libraries as well, which is this idea of the sharing economy. And we're not talking about the sharing economy of Uber and and you know, airbnb we're talking about sort of the, the real and air quotes sharing yes. economy of of non-ownership uh, one other quick example i'd have would be my partner uh, was instrumental in helping set up the victoria tool library mm-hmm. a- and the principle there is exactly the same you don't need to own a tool you just need a hole in the wall you don't need to own a drill um, and the same thing with the little libraries you, you probably don't need to own that that trashy book, book of fiction um, you just want to read it in the afternoon and then you know send it along to another another you know, neighbor So there's a really important way that they help uh, save our world
0: and make her world a better place in that way. And I love them, but not everyone does. So we've we've only got about a minute 40 left for our episode, but, very quickly there is a nonprofit brand of free little libraries and in my research for this i came across some folks who were generally unhappy with it and see it as sometimes an attempt to replace libraries and also did a lot of and i'm not sure of the accurate term but you know the one i'm referencing so i'll let you say it but more or less the the idea that this is kind of a a show off or virtue signal type uh project to undertake what was your what are your thoughts on that
1: I did get into a bit of a tussle with I think some of the radical librarians you're talking about, mm-hmm. and they did some research where basically they were trying to find out you know, where our little free libraries located, mapped out. And their study found that they tend to be in wealthier, whiter communities. Um, and I, I've sort of challenged them on their methodology because the map they were using was from an organization called LittleFreeLibrary.org, which maps out they've mapped out over hundred thousand little libraries around the world, but they do so by selling people a sixty-dollar plaque. So not everyone has a sixty-dollar plaque. Um, and so if you are using that map, you're ultimately going to be selecting for libraries owned by people who have a bit more money on uh, disposable yeah. income. Um, when I look at Victoria, we have over 500 little libraries on our map um, and the, uh, the other organization has about 16 on theirs. So you can imagine there's of all the maps on their map. There are other uh, little libraries that exist. However, um, they may not be wrong. Um, you know, when I say like, you know, wealthier, whiter communities, that also describes Victoria in and of itself. True. Um, and so one of the things that you do notice is really nice libraries with really excellent books tend to be in wealthier communities. This is one of the reasons I go around with the bike trailer to top up collections to keep the collections fresh. Um, but also I, I, you know, the city of Red Deer, Alberta, has a program where they have little libraries on buses. So the buses are moving through the communities and so they're not stationary items and they have people, um, who have have different needs, that help stock the libraries and the buses. It's a beautiful project and everybody wins. Um, But I think, I mean, one of the other aspects is, you know, you asked whether these can replace libraries and ultimately, of course not, because, you know, a public library isn't just about books. Um, These days, there's actually fewer books. They're more about internet access and services and Mm -hmm. a whole bunch of other aspects. But during the pandemic here in Victoria, a lot of libraries closed um, or had limited access. And, And so little free libraries were really the only source for people to access books. But they are also kind of different worlds, right? If you really need a specific book, you go buy it at a local bookshop, um, and hopefully from an ethical online provider. Um, but if you, if you are looking for a book that just came out and you don't want to own it, you go to the library. But if you want to inject whimsy into your life and go on an urban adventure and just run into a book called, for example, Queen Victoria Demon Hunter that I found at a library last week. Um, you go to a little free library so yeah. it's a different it's a different adventure that you have they're not replacing they're supplementing little libraries and they're really encouraging people to interact with books and i've been running this project now for four years it's called the pocket places project and people can find out more information about building their own libraries on our websites they can see the whole victoria map um, and read a bunch of blog posts we've done um, and one of the things that I, I always get emails about are do you have more children's books because children's books just disappear off of the library shelves, and that's because kids love libraries. They love finding a book box and just getting a party favor to take home. And so that's kind of why I've always described little free libraries as sort of the entry into placemaking, because you know there's more complicated placemaking projects. If tuning a street piano every day in the winter at Edmonton is a serious <laughs> undertaking. Um, and a lot of placemaking is very passive. So you may have a piece of public art that you walk past and it, it gives a little bit of joy to your life, but it's very hard to measure. But with little libraries, you get a book to take home. It's a party favor, it sticks with you, and you have something you can share and physically interact with. And that really makes it um, a very interactive piece of placemaking and really shows people how by transforming our urban environments, by building community, we can make the world a better place.
0: Awesome, and folks who wanna learn more, check out victoriaplacemaking.ca or teal.ca. T-E-A-L-E, which is all of your projects, which I quite enjoy checking in on. Thanks for joining us, Teal. Always a pleasure. Want to learn more about this week's episode and how your choices can benefit wildlife and their habitat? View the show notes in your app or visit DefenderRadio.com. To learn more about the furbearers, visit thefurbearers.com or find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow host Michael Howie on social media with @howie_michael on Instagram or Defender Radio Podcast on Facebook. Subscribe or follow Defender Radio to get notified about new episodes of The Switch and Defender Radio right on your smart device.